Hey everyone, welcome to the Chiropractic Elders podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lizette Botha, and in this podcast, we talk to the people who have been in the profession the longest and continue to build on the legacy that they have created. And today we have a very, very special guest on the podcast, Dr. Shirley Winter from Perth, WA. Hi, Dr. Shirley. Well, I must correct you because I'm actually from Johannesburg. There we go. But you you live in Perth, so there you go. We, I just found out that both Shirley and I are both from South Africa originally. So Shirley, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, um, I never saw chiropractor in South Africa, except my stepfather announced when he came home, he was a commanding officer of the Transvaal Scottish, and he came home and said, I'm going to go to America to study chiropractic. And that was all a shock. We knew nothing about it. So I travelled with him as far as London, and then he went on to study at Palmer and become a chiropractor. Unfortunately, he became deceased before he, a week before he was supposed to leave as a chiropractor. Oh, you know? So sad because he was a very capable man. Yeah. So were you in the US then, or were you still in South Africa? Um, no, I was in the US when he died. Yeah. Yeah, he hadn't quite finished, and uh, so he never got back to South Africa. And then how did you get into chiropractic? I never intended studying anything like that. I did a degree at Woods University in Latin and English and classics and all that stuff. Then when I was working in leading general in London, um, and my dad was in America studying chiropractic, I decided I think I'll come do that as well. Yes. And that's how it came about. Yeah. And then where did you study? At Palmer. And um, which I years was, were you in Palmer at? Which which what? Which Palmer? years were you at Palmer? Yeah, nine fifty six, I think. I haven't gone and And then what happened after you studied chiropractic? How did you how did you go from there? Where did you start work? I married um that winter, he was a New Zealander and he was studying chiropractic too. So we went back to New Zealand and opened practice there and stayed there and had some of the family. Mm-hmm. I, I had four kids, um, three boys and a girl. Yeah. And um, none of them are chiropractors. Except Russell, of course. Russell's the dominant one that I see for adjustments so yeah. regularly. And he's doing a very good job and he's, um, you know, I'm just proud of him as a chiropractor. How did you get from New Zealand to Perth? How long did you practice in New Zealand for? Probably about five years at least. And then we came to Perth and I uh, know and I practiced here until about, how long ago, about three years ago, I see, something like that. How old are you now, Shirley? I am, I'll be 89 in December. Wow. So you were practicing until you were 85, 86 years old. I practiced a long while. I actually moved out of the clinic when I was 84. Yeah. And I just occasionally would see people here at home, not very often. Again, it's mainly because I've considered myself very business. We went up to Toffner's and um, did a couple of weeks that he offered. And I, I just talked to Guy Walter. Um, and I 
is mainly pressure work ever shouldn't. Yeah. So can you explain to us a little bit what toughness technique is and how it works? Well, it sticks to, you know, the system of all spots in the brain. And he would find these spots down the spine that were um, sore or uh, out of alignment and so forth. And we'd spend, we spent two weeks up there and other chiropractors were coming and going using our thumbs and fingers to hold pressure for 20 seconds wherever there was pain and so forth. Oh, yep. and there was a toughness instrument. Yeah. Uh, which we used to, you know, the strange high conducted impulses. It's just to probe that you put on the patient's back or neck and uh, conducted, conveyed in, impulses to a plate that you rub with your hands. And you could feel the plate come alive and you were adding resistance to the plate. And when it, there was a certain amount of um, resistance picking, being picked up, you measured it with running a dial, then you would go in and adjust just with pressure and holding a pressure for 20 seconds on the spinuses or the transverse processes. Yeah. And it, tell me a little bit about, you obviously love being a chiropractor, being in practice for this long. Um, what is it about chiropractic that you love so much? Well, it's just so intelligent, you know, when you understand how nothing works unless it's getting its message from the brain as to what it is, what the cell's nature is. And it seems so sad that these medical professionals are throwing in all these drugs to alter the situation and they're not dealing with causative factors. So that's what holds you in chiropractic is, you know, restoring the nerve impulse between brain and tissue cell. That's great. That's great. So tell me, how did your philosophy of chiropractic influence how you looked at people every day? Oh, uh, well, if, well, I was always real concerned about tuning into their heart, where the heart was and what was top of the heart and because I've I'm aware that there's such an enormous effect on the emotional content on the body. So that was my prayer being when interviewing a patient, you know, what's really going on with you besides nerve irritation. And then, of course, the instrument in my fingers and so forth enabled me to locate where the major interference was between brain and tissue cell. And I I just stopped the work and the people, yeah. That's really interesting, Shirley. That's the first time I think that someone said it's okay. They're tuning into someone's heart. How do you tune into someone's heart? Oh, it's not too difficult, really. With, you know, attention to the voice and the eyes and the manner and the emotional presentation, um, you it's not difficult once you're kind of scanning in that manner. Yeah. You know, it's habitual sort of thing. And um, and then, of course, when you're there, but exchange with each other, you, you quickly get whether there's a person that doesn't have much self-image or self-respect or is, um, being wounded deeply as a child. And uh, it's all, you, those are the things that you 
got to pick up because you're going to have to restore those levels as well, not just the neural pattern. Wow, that's really interesting. So how do you restore those things? How are you able to help someone when they have so much uh, damage or so much problems in their past that it's influencing them as a person today? Question to wound your fingers and it whilst you're taking care of them is um, mostly it's self-image that's been damaged. Mm-hmm. And, well, you can sometimes you can question and social, but it is it to um, try and assess what it is yourself. You know, this sounds very strange and uncertain, but it's so different with every individual. Yeah. But what if you're aware that that's what's primarily at the seat of the ill health, not just the subluxation, you're working at that on that level as well. And so would you say that's your intention for that person when you're with them? Absolutely, is to try to restore self-worth. That's amazing. Well, it's important, very important, because you, you know, they actually always through from childhood from some severe damage usually, and then there's marriage and all the rest of it. They haven't made good choices. You, you virtually are working as an analyst, but not in the cold way, rather in restoration of the emotional system, um, not so much telling them um, conditions of control or anything like that. You really are probing all the while that you're seeing the patient to see what is the main thing that's affected the personality stunts. You know. That's incredible, Shirley. Um, I've definitely heard a lot of chiropractors speak about loving your people and caring for them. But I've never heard someone speak about it so directly as you have. Um, Russell just sent me a picture of you in front of a, a quote about innate intelligence. And I would love for you to explain that if you can a little bit more. Uh, it is one from the Woolworths. Yeah. Gosh, I think I copied those out of BJ's clinic. You know, he had a clinic when we were still, when we were at Palma. And um, I don't think he could read much in it, but those quotes, I'm pretty sure I got them from there. And I haven't read them myself for ages. And so I can't, I just so valued him going back in time and relating it to the control that there is in all of creation. And uh, so that's what appealed to me. And that's why I copied those quotes and put them in my own clinic. And I'll have to read them again to elucidate why they attracted me. That's really great. I think it'd be great if you can send them to us and I can share that to all the listeners because I think they'd be really curious. How do you tune into Innate? Well, it's, it's not a very thing that you can describe because it's usually an awareness that grows as you uh, deal with patients and as you mature yourself. The, it, you watch the language, you watch the emotional like, words that they use regarding their lives and what's going on. They're telling you so much in, in the time that you're exchanging with them and you can only just be 
making your own character reference or emotional, their emotional characters, the main thing that you're assessing. Because yes. that's what, that's what really affects me about their health the most. That's great. Their emotional content. So Shirley, when you started practicing in Australia all those years ago, what was chiropractic like? What was there? What was, what kind of challenges did you have back then? I've got to think about it. First of all, really couldn't bear being in clinic listening to all the clicks and quicks. Yeah. Not in the, with the fellow who was adjusting next door. Yeah. Like, Doug and I had already decided that we would seek out pressure techniques uh-huh. and not use the manipulative ones. And uh, so it, we really did pay much more attention to the patient's demeanor and speech and, and ex- verbal exchange with us than, um, than we did to um, what the body was presenting physically. And yet, that mattered too, of course, because you had to remove what major nerve interference there was. And this, and then you were practicing. So you you didn't like the guy you practiced next to. So did you do your own practice, or what did you do? Uh, we practiced in clinic at Palma. We had quite a long session in actual clinic practice, and um, and. Fortunate, I was very fortunate getting involved with Doug because he was highly intelligent but also intuitive. He'd been a farmer's son. Mm-hmm. He ate all the butter that he picked up at the gate before it got to the house. One So I learned a lot from, from Bavin Shaw too. He was a little bit ahead of me as far as the neural component became so essential in finding out exactly where the major neuron compromise was. But then you were watching the personality and the emotional content too. That's really important. I think we never get taught that. Um, So Doug was your husband, and what was it like practicing with him for the start? It was very good, very good, because he was highly uh, (laughs) attentive to physical detail and information. More so than I was, I was more involved with the emotional content of the patient. And, uh, but of course, I had had some physical connections as well. And and did, I, you, did you I find would, that yeah. patients saw both of you? So they would either see your dog or that some people prefer him and some people you? How did you work that out? It, our way, patients choose themselves. You know, they come mm. to me and they might be um, asking for you. And then after a while, you know, you kind of think, I think it'd be better with Doug. And you transfer the patient or I might get some of his too. But generally, um, generally speaking, patients came by repute, knowing whom they wanted to see. And um, did you take time out when you had children in the practice? Did you did you stop practicing for a while or how did you handle that? So I didn't take a lot of time out. I just didn't do so many patients, just went in for certain hours yeah. to go and see your patients. Um, no, I practice most of the time and it's good to be involved at that level as well as with the kids. Three boys and a girl and I loved having children. I learned a lot from them too. And if you had a young female chiropractor that was going to have children um, and practice, 
What would you recommend she does? How would you, do you have any tips or advice on that? Limit your hours. Make it hours that you know that you can be emotionally and physically available. Don't try to do too many things. Don't try to be a chiropractor doing many hours when mm-hmm. you've got people. You need to pay a lot of attention to their development because it shall help you in chiropractic too. And what do you mean by that? How does it help you in chiropractic? Well, just the awareness of the development of the human being. Um, Best of all, the physical content of all damage there may have been to child and childbirth and so forth. It's more in seeing the seeing kids. You um, become aware of the belt of buying of spontaneity and all that sort of thing that happens in parenting and you watch for it in yourself. Yeah. To fulfill teachers. I think that it broadens you by having children and practicing. I really think it makes you more aware. That's amazing. And how did you, we just we quickly touched on it. Did you ever feel as a female chiropractor that you were marginalized or a little bit different at, at any stage in your career? In the early stages, Chris, there was, um, you know, it's changed a lot. Society's changed a lot. Um, because at that time, somehow the guys thought that you had inferior intelligence and theory of ability and all sorts of things. Um, but I, I didn't experience it very obviously or apparently at Palmer, just occasionally in the Chiropractic Association in the south of maybe New Zealand and Australia. But not much, not much at all, because I think chiropractic itself prepares the individual not to have fixed ideas about anything. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really true. And when you're adjusting someone, when you've got your hands on someone, what goes through your head? Not so much through my head, through my touch. Um, because I'm, I'm first of all aware of the individual that's laid themselves down on the table and the personality that goes with that, that, that blind down person there. And then, of course, once you start palpating and you finding tension spots and so forth, you... We tended to be mainly holistic in attributing most of the trouble to the surgical region and then finding compromising within the pelvis and all that sort of thing. I think it was, it was above down and from within out as far as our education of Palmer went. Oh, yeah, that's the point. It's, um, do, you know, to what extent have you advance the knowledge of your patient uh-huh. so that they are speaking of it increasingly socially. How did you do it? How did you increase the knowledge of your patients? Oh, we used to give patient lectures. Yeah. We haven't done that. We did do that quite a number of years. And there's usually, there's this one, and I can't think of the name. They put out a pad where you could tear off sheets to give to your patients about nerve function. Yeah. And it's an amazing, you've probably seen it. It's a sheet which just, just shows a person beside on and the nerves all emitting and the organs, another picture of the organ at the side, 
of what's being fed from that level. Yeah. We to order those books and they're not available at the moment, I don't know why. And um and there is a large blown up one on a clinic wall where they stand and educate themselves because of they can see quite clearly where the nerves emitting from and which organs being affected. So but I wish we could still get the pads that they have. Chris, I'll try I'll pursue getting that replaced for you. Yeah, that'd be great. We yeah. we use something like that. We talk to all our patients about the organs and and, and you know that if you have a subluxation, what happens to the nerves, what happens to the organs. And I think I think there was a time that we you kind of thought, oh, no one's going to understand subluxation, so I'll just let my adjustment do the talking. But I've actually changed my mind on that. I think it's really important to tell people and to teach them how to tell other people what chiropractic actually does. Yeah, I think we need to concentrate on that now, even when it's a taxi driver who gives right. some information about what it's about. Serious. Absolutely. I, so... Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Chiropractic Elders podcast. If you love what you heard, follow us on Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook. And please share this with all your friends and colleagues so we can, so we can spread this wisdom. Hey, and Shirley, if someone wants to get into contact with you, how do they do that? Probably I'll just give you the clinic name. Yeah. Or George Street Chiropractic. I, I go in there to see Russell pretty regularly. Yeah. Tyson will probably Um. And if they just write any notion they address and what their query is, then I, I'll make sure that I've, and their phone number, that I reply. Excellent. Thanks so much, Shirley, and thank you for your time.